All right, if you have a, a Bible, let's uh, go to Jonah chapter 3. We're just going to really briefly look at uh, the first three verses of chapter 3, where um, <clears throat> God calls Jonah again, and he gets basically a second chance. Like the first two chapters and the last two chapters is almost like a perfect dividing line in, in the book. Um, and so now is like almost a restart. So in chapter 3, um, verse 1, it says this, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And we'll stop there. Here we come back again to uh, Jonah, who is now in relationship with God, right? In, um, in maybe you could say like a healed relationship with God. He's just gone through, we talked about in the last week's, chapter 2, he's run away from God, and then he's been thrown into the water. He's had his own traumatic experience in the water, and now has repented, and he's come back to God, and he's in relationship with God, and, and God, again, just pouring out his grace and his mercy, says, hey, Jonah, I still have a mission for you, and we're in relationship. We are doing this together, and it won't take you long. Again, if you read the whole book in one sitting, it doesn't take you long to read the whole book at all. But it won't take you long to see that um, Jonah's kind of back on the rocks with God again, right? He's like doing his own thing again, and the relationship is teetering. Uh, next week, we'll look at his his presentation and how the Ninevites respond. Bert was talking a little bit about that already. Um, and we'll see that, man, Jonah is... We should see at least Jonah is just like us. Like he is within a, a short amount of time. He is struggling in his relationship with God. And, and that's something that um, some people, it actually, like for, for believers, it should like confirm for us actually, um, not only the gospel, but even this story, because it's so true to reality. For other people, it, it actually makes them struggle with Christianity. Right? They're like, how can people say they're Christians and yet do such terrible things? Right? How can they, they say one thing on a Sunday and then they're completely different on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday? And I mean, the Bible is clear that there are people that say they're Christians. They look like they're Christians. They study the Bible, you know, like a Christian would. And they're not Christians, right? They are not believers. They, they don't have a relationship with God. And so um, some of the times the things that people do under the banner of Christianity is not Christianity at all. It's just people that are kind of playing, playing the game. But then there's other times where um, believers uh, go up and down with their walk with God. And, and that's where, to me, this in the Jonah story just shows me like, man, Jonah was like a regular person. You know, Jonah is having a good day and he's having a bad day. And all of us are going to experience that as well, probably in the next few days, right? Where we are just, there's bad moments where we're like, man, just sin is right there and um, we're given into it. Maybe we're easily given into it. We're just like, I'm all in, heads into this one, you know? And it's like the grace and the mercy of God 
is there for us every single day. And it, it reminds us in scripture, his mercy is new every day. And Jonah here in chapter three, verse one, is, is experiencing that newness of God's mercy right here again. And, and God graciously comes back to him and says, I have a mission for you. You are going to be a prophet and you are going to the people of Nineveh. You have a message to tell them. And so Jonah um, has learned kind of exactly what Darren was saying. Um, Jonah has learned the practice of humility, you know, the practice of taking the way of humility, which is super difficult for all of us. Uh, some people might be a little bit more inclined to humility than others, but for most of us, humility is extremely difficult, and and it often does take the the deep and difficult moments to kind of break us in a sense for God to be able to speak to us. Um, and here we see that Jonah is doing that, and and God clearly says, "I want you to go." He says, "Arise and go to Nineveh," and God wants to see renewal happen in the lives of the Ninevites, right? That he wants to see like, you might hear the word like revival or renewal where there's this internal change that is happening on a, on a personal level, but also on a societal level or on a household level. And so God is wanting to see that renewal happen in Nineveh, but he firstly wants to see it happen in the life of the prophet, the first place that he wants to see that renewal, that change happen, and the first place that we see it happening in, in this little book is in the very life of the prophet. The one who maybe we would think should have it all together, but as we read, we're like, this guy, he doesn't have it all together. He's just like me. He's messed up, right? And God is like, I want to see renewal. And so um, in uh, a book that I was reading this summer, in Mark Sayer's book, Reappearing Church, he talks about how renewal happens and historically how it's happened in the lives of individuals, in the lives of churches gathered together, or in the life of a, a town or a region, okay? And he talks about five things. I just wanted to quickly list them out here just to like get us thinking about how does renewal actually happen? How does a life begin to be changed, to be made new by the gospel and by Christ? And Mark Sayers here says, it begins with holy discontent. Like deep within us, a dissatisfaction with the, the, maybe the religion that we're experiencing, or maybe the answers to life's big questions that the world is giving to us. Like inside of us, those answers that we're beginning to hear, or maybe the experiences that we've had, they just, they're not enough. They're not enough. And so there's this deeper, uh, holy discontent. So it's not just like cynical and angry or kind of pushing off things. It's like, no, there's got to be something more here. There's a, there's a righteousness to it. There's a holiness to it. And so then it leads into the second one, which is this preparation. So some sort of deep work of preparation happens. And often, in historically, it's been through some sort of crisis in people's lives, maybe like a broken relationship, maybe uh, a, a really difficult thing in a family, or in our case as a society, something like a pandemic, right? Something super challenging, a crisis has come. So there was this like underworking of a holy discontent, and now there's like some sort of crisis that makes things really personal. 
Then the, the third step is this contending, he calls it. So contending for God's presence to come with power. So some, in, in response to the crisis, in response to the holy discontent, there's this like contending that begins. There's some sort of work that happens to want a deeper relationship. And then that leads to the, the fourth one, which is holy patterns, which is you begin to do things differently actually in your life to pursue this deeper relationship with God, right? These are all steps that lead you to renewal. And it might not be as clean as like, oh, I've done steps one and two and three. Next is number four. No, but these are things that are happening kind of um, around you in your life that are preparing you for renewal. And so these holy patterns, this reorientating our life around patterns so that we can begin to experience the presence of God. This ultimately leads to what Mark says is the fifth thing, which is this remnant, this group of individuals, um, maybe a church or maybe a few people, or maybe it's larger than that, that are together contending for God to move powerfully in their midst. This is when they are ready to see renewal happen in their midst. And so as I was thinking about the, the text here this week, and as I was thinking about citizens and just praying, it just, it struck me that I, I truly believe that for many of us, this is the season that we're in. That God is actually calling us to renewal. And maybe the first thing that drove us to want to be a part of citizens was like a ambition and a desire to see renewal happen in our circle of friends, in our work, and in our community. And that was definitely a driver for me and still is. But I think in this season, even through the, the book of Jonah here, God is actually calling us to personal and corporate renewal, where we will long for this deep dive into who is God? How do I know him? How am I, renew how am I transformed by him? So that the work that I'm anticipating is not something that's going to happen out there, but actually the first work that God wants to do is renewal in my own heart and renewal right here in our midst. And so how do we see that happen? Really quickly here, we see this happen in, in just three ways. And one is that we experience renewal together in community, right? We're in, we're in a circle, okay? We're in a circle for a reason this week to get us thinking about discipleship is not just something that is happening to you on your own. Discipleship is something that we do together. We should be in our missional families and in citizens at, at large, be looking across the, the room and looking at each other saying, I need to own your discipleship. You need to own my discipleship. We are doing this together. And a lot of us have not really experienced that before. But the calling as believers, as a body, is that we actually exercise and practice these things together for the good of the body. Not just for me and not just for you personally. We also practice um, prayer. So we practice disciple, disciple making in community but we also practice prayer. And Jonathan Edwards calls this extraordinary prayer. Okay, so this is not just the, 
the, the small, simple prayers that we, um, that we say and that we're actually encouraged in Scripture to do them, right? I'm not discouraging short little prayers. Probably, if anything, Jesus tells us we should do more short little prayers. So those are good. But there are seasons in the life of a church, there are seasons in the life of a believer that call for extraordinary prayer. They call us to, to be leaning into kingdom-focused, Christ-centered prayer so that God can have his way and can do the act of renewal. Because the work of renewal, is it's kind of like a dance, right? And God is actually the one who is leading the dance. I don't know if anybody dances in here. I don't. But if you do, you know there's someone who's supposed to be the leader, right? That's, at least that's what I've been told. It works better that way when someone is the leader. And so renewal is a dance where God is actually leading the way. But we are meant to be good partners in that dance. And so when we pray with this extraordinary prayer, we say, God, we want to partner with what you are doing already. You're doing this. And so we want to partner with you in this renewal in our own souls and also in our community and in our church family. So we are a community that is committed to working together in discipleship, and we are committed to pray for each other and to pray in extraordinary ways. And then finally, we are communing with Christ through his word, through the word of God. We come to the word of God and we experience um, Jesus, hopefully like never before. And I was, I was reading this week in Nehemiah, an amazing story in the Old Testament where the wall is being built. We're familiar with that. You know, they come together to build the wall. And then when the wall is finished, they have this amazing moment where together they set aside everything. And in silence, they actually read the word of God and then they explain the word of God. And and the part where he talks about reading the word of God um, just was like a breath of fresh air. Because I don't know what your experience is like right now in your reading of the word of God. There may be times where it's stagnant or it feels just like something that you have to do. But listen to these words in Nehemiah chapter 8. It says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And, and as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen lifting up their hands and they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Man, have you had a moment like that with the word of God, opening the word of God? And this description is like experiencing the presence of God, like right in their midst, worshiping him. The word of God is not something that we go to to uh, just you know, gain points with God. You know, it was like Wednesday I was with God and God's looking down on me with like a big old smile. He is happy with me on Wednesday. Thursday, I didn't read the word of God. Arms are crossed. The grouchy God is out. That is not what the word of God is. The word of God is meeting with Jesus, being present with him. So let me just close our time with prayer, but I want to close with reading Matthew 11, where Jesus actually calls us to, to be with him. And I'm reading it out of the uh, message um, just because it, it creates some new images, hopefully, in your mind. So let me just ask you to, 
to bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to read this and then I'm going to close in prayer. But I just want you to kind of hear these words without distraction. Matthew 11, starting in verse 27. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation, coming out of the father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does, but I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to make a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this amazing testimony of Jonah, a reluctant prophet. Thank you, Jesus, for leading us and for wanting to be in relationship with us. Lord, I pray for everyone that's here, and I pray for those that are a part of citizens that can't be here this morning. Lord, would you remind us that the first step you want to take is renewal in our own lives. And Lord, I pray that we would openness and authenticity with the reality of our weeks that we would truly um, help each other in this journey. Lord God, we know that we are all broken people. We have sin that we regularly step into and your mercy is new. But Lord, would you remind us through the body of Christ of your goodness and your love towards us. Father, we thank you for the time that we could have today just to do things a little bit different, to put our focus on, on you and on your goodness and the lessons that you're teaching us. We pray, Jesus, that you're glorified by the things that we do here, and we thank you for your rich, rich mercy. Amen.